Greetings in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one, as we heard in our Sunday school hour, that we have need of, and hopefully as we continue to look at his word, we can further see that need, our need to have him in our life as our Lord and our Savior, <clears throat> appreciated what was already shared in the devotional, you know, it ties in with the message in, in a way that yeah, maybe I hadn't, hadn't thought of. The title of the message today is, I Am the True Vine, and we want to continue to look at Jesus' claims that he made while he <clears throat> walked this earth. Now, this is the seventh one that we find, and yeah, as we looked at the others, hopefully it, it enlightened us of who Jesus is. And when we can see who Jesus is, we realize what he can do for us. <clears throat> Today's message has a lot to do with bearing fruit. And, you know, as, as my mind went back to when we were first married 20 years ago, you know, we had a, we had a desire to grow fruit. I guess I want to ask you this morning, does anybody here have fruit trees? Anybody raise your hands if you have fruit trees? How about, have you had fruit trees in the past? So, yeah, I think a lot of us have a desire to, to be able to, to go out and, and pick an apple or a, a peach or something right off the tree and enjoy that in our, own, in our own kitchen. And so, yeah, about 1999, after we was first married, we, we got this magazine I'm not sure if the magazine's what brought it on or cataloged to, it had orchard things in it. And uh, so Becky and I, we, we looked at that and we agreed that we wanted to plant an orchard. And we, we looked through this ma uh, catalog and found what seemed like the perfect fit for us. It was, it was a circle orchard that had eight trees. I believe it was two apple trees, two pear trees, two peach trees, and two cherry trees. So we... We sent in the order with a, with a check, and we waited for them to show up. And, you know, you know, when we sent the check off, we probably had visions of baskets full of peaches and apples and things. And, and when they showed back up, that's what we had in mind again. We, we had visualized that we would grow a lot of fruit on these trees. So we got the trees at the appointed time, whenever they were supposed to be planted. We went out there, and we made an orchard. We planted these trees. <clears throat> we watered them. And we waited for fruit, and we waited for fruit. And, you know, about the first year, I think the cherry trees started looking pretty poorly, and they died. And, you know, about the, soon after that, we noticed the peach trees kind of had a blight or something, and they died. And, you know, soon we had the apple trees and the pear trees left. And... You know, about the third or fourth year, we thought, this is the year we're really going to go out there and get some fruit. And, you know, springtime comes and they bloom, and the apples are little marble-sized things that get rotten, they fall off, and, and we don't have any apples. And the pear trees is what's the most puzzling of all. They, they're so hardy, they grow and they, <clears throat> they bloom, and they're just shooting up. And it, surely they'll make pears, but, you know, eventually... We came to the realization that the pear trees were Bradford pear trees. They were ornamental. 
So they, you know, we could leave them there for 50 years and they'd never produce a pair. It was the wrong kind. But, you know, the end, re end result was we put a lot of effort into these trees. Probably not as much as we should have. And we had very little fruit. Nothing to show for it. And I want to think about that in our spiritual life a little bit this morning. How is it with you and I? You know, uh, are we bearing fruit for God? How much has he invested in us? How much are we bringing forth? And why are we not bearing fruit if we're not bearing fruit? And that's what today's message, as we look at John 15, if you would like to turn there, we look at the final I am that Jesus claimed to his disciples. <clears throat> John 15, I want to read verses 1 through 11. Where Jesus makes the claim, I am the true vine. John 15. This is a, I believe they call it an allegory, a, a picture with hidden meaning, you know, where Christ used things that they were very familiar with at that time and that day in order to bring out a point to his disciples and to us. John 15, starting in verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So there's a, a lot of things that we could, we could look at and we want to look at a few of them in this, in this passage. And I realize there's, there's probably 11 verses there and we could make 11 sermons out of it. But I guess I want to look at the three, three main parts of, of what this passage consists of and the first one is the true vine the true vine and this is Jesus you know it's it's written in red Jesus made this claim, claim that I am the true vine that's his claim to us that he's the life giver he's the life sustainer to his disciples and to us today and the second thing is the husbandman my father is the husbandman husbandman and that's God the Father. He's the owner, if you want to look at it like that. He's the, he's the overseer of the whole operation. Uh, whether, you know, whenever in this passage, he would be the, the overseer of the farm. He's the owner. He's the one that, that actually uh, does, the, does the work. I think some passages or some translations would call it the vine dresser 
or maybe the gardener. <clears throat> and the third thing is the branches, and that's you and I. That's you and I. We are the branches. Now, I, I brought with me today, I realize in, in season, a better demonstration would have been a, uh, a grapevine with, <clears throat> with actual grapes hanging off of it, but I brought our, our hibiscus tree that, that was planted in front of the church. We're, we're, uh, we rescued it from the frost. We took it home. We're going to try to replant it in the spring. But we know what part is the branches, don't we? We, we see these, these parts here. That's the branches. And the vine, this actually has three or four vines, is, is the bottom part here that, that connects the branches down to the soil, to the ground. And now if we... Uh, I guess I, I, as I was trying to think this through a little bit, and I was thinking of Jesus as our true vine, I, I kind of see it maybe as an upside-down plant. I see him as our connection to God. He, he's our vine. He's our, our way to God the Father. And it's through him that we receive things from God, that we receive the, the power that we need, the strength that we need to, to live this life, and also to bear fruit for him. So yeah, in Jesus' day, they would have been very familiar with, with vines and probably grape vines, and uh, yeah, this this whole thing of the vine and the branches. <clears throat> so what what is the whole objective here of of the vine, the branches, and the Father? You know, as I as we think of of God the Father, he's 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 the one in control of the whole universe. He's the one. He's the farmer. He's the He's the one that raises the crop, he tills it, he plants it, he cultivates it, and he prunes it. And he puts all this work and effort into his farm, into his, and this is, this is talking of it in, in a physical sense. You know, the farmer, he, he goes and he, he does everything he possibly can to make this, this vine, this plant, do what he wants it to do. And what is that? He wants it to bear fruit. He wants it to bear fruit. And... You know, we, when we think of the whole objective of this, of this passage, it's about us bearing fruit. And I, I, I say this in a, uh, carefully because I believe that that is God's objective for having us here, is to bear fruit. And I know that, that we want to say, well, the whole idea of God having us here is to bring glory to him. But that's, that's the way that we bring glory to God, is through the fruit that he produces in us, that, that, that it is visible. So... That's one of the ways. Um, I, as, I, as I was thinking of, of this, this plant here and how we could bring out uh, the father as the husband, and maybe this is not a very good example, but uh, you know, I believe, and it, it says this in verse 8, that herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. So the, the whole idea is to bear fruit that the gardener gets the glory. Now, let's, let's pretend that you have a neighbor that brings you a, a nice big basket of peaches. And, you know, he, he knocks on your door and, and he brings the peaches to you and he says, here, you can have these. And you really love peaches. And these, I mean, these are big juicy ones. You can tell that they've picked right off the tree and they're ripe. And what, what's going to happen? What's going to happen in that scenario, probably? You know, you're probably going to say, wow, those are nice. Those are nice. And then you're going to probably ask, did you, add, did you grow them yourself? 
and which the gardener, you know, depends on who he is or if he's a good Mennonite or whatever, he might say, well, yeah, we had some, we did grow them, but we had timely rain and, and the frosts were early and, and uh, yeah, God provided these, which is the right way to look at it. But the, the end result is the guy that grew them gets the credit. He gets the, the glory for, for the fruit, these big peaches that, have, that he brought to your door. And that's, so we look at the, at the whole objective of, of, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. And the next thing we want to look at are the branches, and that's you and I. Now there, there's two branches listed here, and there's, there's an unfruitful branch in verse 2, and also a branch that beareth fruit. And that's where we want to examine our own lives and to see where we're at in this picture, where we're at in this, this scenario. Now the unfruitful branch, it says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So there's a branch here that we're going we're gonna to pick on this one right here. He's, he's sticking up about the farthest. Now he's, he's a branch that he's, he appears to be just like the rest of the branches, and he might look good, but, you know, come whatever month it is, whenever we're picking these, these fruit off the trees, there's, there's never anything on this branch right here. This is an unfruitful branch. There's something wrong with that branch. So, in, in verse, verse 2 it says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So, you know, there, there's, who is the he that taketh away? It's, it's God. You know, this, we see this unfruitful branch, it's now taken away. And what else does he do with the unfruitful branch? We can read on in verse, verse 6 it says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch. So he's cast forth. I think he throws him over in a pile there with the, by the burn barrel. And is withered. And we know that if this has got a few little leaves on it, but what's going to happen whenever this branch sits here all by itself, not, not connected to the, to the vine anymore? These, these little green leaves here are going to look just like this leaf up here. They're going to dry up into nothing. <clears throat> and the next thing it says, men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. So, you know, because of, you know, we, we chopped this guy off and, and he, he's laying right there. It says men gather them. And I don't know why men come and gather them, but it could be because there might be a disease or something on there that could contaminate the rest of the tree. But anyway, these, these unfruitful branches... And this scenario are taken and, and they're burned. They're done away with. They're not accomplishing their intended goal. They're not, they're not bearing fruit. So what is the problem that they're not bearing fruit? You know, in verse 5 it says, For without me you can do nothing. Without me you can do nothing. And also, you know, in, there's a, it talks, Jesus talked about this on a few occasions. Another place that he he was uh, talking about unfruitful trees and branches. He says, Now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And I, uh, I think it's, I'm not too sure where it was at, maybe. Even so, every good tree 
bringeth forth good fruit, but a, good, a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. So that's, that's the unfruitful branch. And now we want to look at the fruitful branch that shows evidence, and that evidence is fruit hanging there visible for for God and for the whole world to see. There, there's, there's fruit on there. And what, do, what is the first thing that we notice about uh, the fruitful branch? In verse 2 it says, And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it that it, bra- that it may bring forth more fruit. And, you know, this is where, where Dean shared this morning um, in Hebrews 12, this verse about chastisement and, and uh, yeah, being purged or pruned, we think of that as something that is, is painful and it's something that would, would uh, cause, us, cause us pain, and it can be that way, but it's for our good and for God's glory. It was, I think that was in Hebrews 12. The verse that, that stood out to me was the one that said, Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth, what? The peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. So, and, uh, and we probably, most of us, had have grapes or have had grapes. That, and we know that about once a year in the spring... And they, they start to look a little bit like this. And, you know, we, we see where buds are coming out. And we see a dead part there that's probably not going to be any account to the plant. So we just, we go along and we, we chop that off. We prune that off. And what's the purpose of pruning that off? It's, it's the good of the, the plant. You know, as we cut off that, that dead part, the part that's not going to be beneficial in, in producing grapes, you know, we get rid of that, and that gives that gives it a uh, a new energy, a new something that helps it to shoot out new sprouts, and therefore it'll produce more more fruit, more grapes. Now, what could that be in my life and in your life? You know, uh, there's I think of things like sin. I mean, uh, different kinds of sin, like like pride. Now, you we uh, we know that pride can be a problem in all of our lives. So how does how does God deal with with pride? You know, maybe maybe He shows us in His Word. Maybe maybe we'll read something that that would that would talk about the proud and the humble, and He convicts us there. But maybe He actually prunes us a little bit in in some area in our life that that there is pride. He comes and He He removes something to help us to recognize that that's a problem, and that's for who's good. That's for for our good and for God's glory. And there could be a lot of other things that, that might be a hindrance in our walk with, with the Lord that he has to, to purge off, he has to prune off. And, you know, I think if we're open to him, if we're, if we're tuned in, if we're abiding in him, we can, we can recognize those, those hardships, those things that, that God brings into our life that, that is to, to help us, that valley that he takes us through. It can be a, a chastisement, it can be a, a purging in order for us to, to bear more fruit for him. So the, the next thing that we notice is the word abide. And I think it's in here at least six times where Jesus says, Abide in me 
and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except you abide in me. So right there, he says it three times. What does this mean to abide? I think another, another word would be remain, or another word is continue, and that's the, that's the word that it's, it's used down in verse 9, continue ye in my love. So we must remain in Christ. We must be attached or connected is the way I would, I would like to uh, look at it. So it's, it's very important for this, this branch right here. It's, it's a nice green one. It's got leaves on it, but it's very important. It's crucial for this branch to, to be connected to the vine. I mean, it is for the rest of them too, but we know that if we take this branch off of that vine, it will wither. It will die. It won't be getting what it needs to live. So this is the word picture, I think, that Jesus is, is trying to show his 11 disciples that are here that they have to remain, they have to abide in him. They can't, they can't go off on their own, but they have to look to him, continue trusting in him. And I say the 11 because I think at this point, we go back a couple chapters, Judas had already left the scene. And maybe he's the one that he was talking about when he was talking about the unfruitful branch. I don't know. Because he walked with Jesus, he talked with Jesus, and he probably even taught. But there was something missing between him and Jesus. They're apparently, their relationship, their connection, was not the way it should have been. Or else he wouldn't have sold out. He wouldn't have sold him. So, it's important for us to see and for, important for us to know that we desperately need Jesus Christ. Just like this branch needs that vine, we need Jesus Christ. You know, there's, there's a song that, that says something about, Lord, I need thee, every hour I need thee. And is that true for, for us today? Yes, it is. We desperately need him now and forever. We need to abide in him. We need to keep that relationship real. And how can we abide in Christ? How can we reign in Him? Through prayer, through reading His Word, through uh, meditating, and also it, it says in verse 10, it says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So, it's, it's being connected to, to Jesus, being, having a personal relationship with him, being closely connected at all times, not, not, taking, not taking our own way, but instead looking to him. You know, if we look at him as our connection to God, then God will produce the fruit in us that he desires. Now this, this word bear, and it, it has a couple different meanings, but every branch in me that beareth not fruit. What, what does this, what do you think of when you think of bearing fruit? You know, I guess I, I, my, my thought was to, to produce fruit, but that's not really the, the, the meaning of the word bear here. I think it's to carry. Now when, when we get, when we see that as bearing fruit is to carry fruit, that kind of takes the pressure off of us, doesn't it? 
makes us realize that we can't produce our own fruit. We're just carrying it for God. He's the one that works in us and through us to produce, to bear fruit, to carry. We, we are just carrying fruit for him. So what is our part in this? It's to, to abide in Christ, to, re, to remain in him. And it says in, in verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And we start to see the, some of the outworking, the results of, of abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ. And that's the, I think that's probably the first one that we see, is answered prayers. And he, he talks about that a little bit in, in the chapter previous to this. He said, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, and we read that, and we probably comes to my mind, and maybe yours, well, I can remember I prayed something, and he didn't answer that prayer. So how can this be true? That if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, when we think of, of being connected to the vine, being connected to Jesus Christ, and he, we have surrendered our every thought, our every motive, and our will, our life to him. Then what are we going to be wanting, what are we going to be praying? What, what type of things are we going to be praying about? It's not going to be probably selfish prayers about myself, but it's going to be about, about building God's kingdom, building God's church. It's going to be about, about uh, giving him the glory. It's about, about giving him the praise that he deserves. So if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. So as we are, are attached to him, as we're connected to him, we're going to be praying the type of things that are pleasing to God. And God's going to, he's going to answer those prayers. Maybe not the way that we think, but he'll answer those prayers. And the second thing is, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Not just fruit, but much fruit. So there's going to be evidence in our life if we're abiding in Christ. So what kind of fruit, what is this, this fruit that, that he's talking about? In Galatians 5, we can, we can read of the fruit of the Spirit. What are those things that should be evident as we're abiding in Christ, as the Spirit of God is working in us? It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. Meekness, temperance, against such, there is no law. So instead of visualizing an orange or an apple hanging off of a tree, we see us as branches with things showing in our life that come from God. Things like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. You know, those, we, we uh, think of long-suffering. Do people see patience in you and I? That's the fruit of the Spirit. That's, 
That's a, that's a sign of God working. That's being connected to Jesus Christ. That there's patience. There's gentleness. There's goodness. There's faith. There's meekness. There's temperance. Temperance is self-control. Do we, do we show self-control? Is that something that's, that's evident in my life, in your life? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It just says the fruit of the Spirit. It's singular. Why is that? Is it, is it such a thing that you really can't separate love from joy and joy from peace and peace from long-suffering and gentleness from goodness? You know, if God is in us, those type of things should be evident in our life. It should be showing the evidence of a changed life, a changed heart of Christ in us. The third thing we look at is that we can be his disciples. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. I think Darren covered that last week in being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, if we're a follower, and our Sunday school lesson was about being a, a servant or a son, that we can be heirs. We can, we can be a part of his kingdom, a part of his family. We can be one of his disciples. One of the commandments that, that he gives is, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. This is the fruit of the Spirit, this love showing evident in the life of the believer, in the life of a changed heart. The last one we want to look at is joy. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, is he talking about happiness here, or is he talking about joy? You know, I think there's, if we, if we kind of, we think of that as kind of the same thing, but happiness involves our, our, uh, can I say it? Happiness depends on our outward circumstances. You know, we can have happiness and whenever somebody, uh, we can be driving down 50 here and somebody pulls out in front of us and goes 20 miles an hour the rest of the way in. You know, it can kind of dampen that happiness in our, in our mood maybe. But joy is something that is different. It's not dependent upon our outward circumstances, but it's dependent upon God being us in us, Jesus being us in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So these things have I spoken unto you, to his disciples and to us, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So in Christ, we can, I think we can, you know, in another place, he, he, he said that you, can, you would have life and have it more abundantly. And this would go along with this having joy and that your joy might be full. So it's in Christ. It's in, in him and him alone. It's being in the center of God's will, abiding in Him, by being connected to Him, by obeying Him, and spending time with Him, that He can change us. He can work in us to produce fruit for His glory. So am I connected to the true vine? 
What kind of a branch am I? And what is my responsibility? Is there fruit evident in our lives today? Is love, joy, and peace something that's flowing out of our hearts and lives? If it's not, I guess I ask the question, how serious is it to be an unfruitful branch? How serious is it to be an unfruitful branch? Whenever I think of the unfruitful branch, I think of Judas again. He was in the right places. He probably said a lot of the right things. But there was something wrong. His relationship with Jesus Christ was not the way it should have been. And you know, whenever we read of this in a, in a physical sense about verse 6, it says, If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. I think that can be a picture of us. If we're not trusting in, believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, our end is in hell's fire. That's how serious it is about being an unfruitful branch or a fruitful branch. Matthew 5, 16. I think will help us to, to again, get the whole concept, the whole idea behind this bearing fruit. And it's a familiar verse. It says, Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Here he's talking about letting our lights shine and seeing our good works. And I think that's, that's bearing fruit for Jesus Christ. And what is the purpose? What is the whole reason behind it? We can glorify our Father in heaven. So as we, again, look at this, this whole picture from branches to vine the Father, what is the whole concept? It's we, the branches. As we're connected to the vine, through God we bear fruit that we can bring glory to our God. And that through that, his kingdom can be expanded. His kingdom can grow. Others will want what they see he's done in us. That love and joy and peace, gentleness, goodness that's coming out of our life. And we don't take the credit for it, but we give the husbandman, the father, the glory for that. I want to recap today with, with the items that we've, we've already looked at. I just want to read them off, and I think they all point to the same one, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our need for him, and who he is, and what he can do for us. You don't have to turn to these, but... In John 6, it says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So there he is, the, the bread of life. John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 10, 9. He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that they might have it more abundantly. 
In the next verse, he claims to be the good shepherd. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And then the one that we covered last time, when Jesus was talking to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And the one that I started with first, and it was not in the right order, but I am the way that Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So Jesus makes this I am, these I am claims seven times. Do we believe in him? Do we trust in him as the Lord and Savior? Do we see him as our true vine, our connection to God the Father? Let's dismiss our prayer. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come here today and for giving us a reason to gather together in this way. As we think of your provision to us and that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, that he rose again, that we could have our sins forgiven, that we could bear fruit, that we could make a difference in this kingdom for you and for your glory. Lord, I just pray that you would work in each one of our lives you would continue to guide and lead us, that you would just help us to abide in you, to remain in you. Help us to keep that relationship with you clear. Know that there's an enemy that's out to deceive and to destroy and try to hinder that. But Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, we, we know that we can, we can come to you, that you will live in us and through us. So we thank you and praise you for all things. We thank you for the church family here and we pray for each one. Lord, that you would continue to to help us, that you would bind us together, that we could be of one accord, one mind, that we could live in peace, love you, and love those around us. We thank you and praise you, it's in Jesus' name we pray.